Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host. My apologies, I've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last couple months, even though I was only active for about a month, but I wanted to retool some of the the programming because I was basically listening to me talk about myself, and I'm my own favorite subject, and I was boring myself, so I wanted to expand this out a little bit and do a little bit of a retooling. And so I did a massive international search, had search terms all over the world, and looking for another member of my team, maybe a guest, maybe a co-host, I, I wasn't quite sure. And by God, I finally found him, and I found him in my local jiu-jitsu school. And so for the first time ever, a warm welcome for my friend and fellow MMA partner, Buck the MMA Nerd. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate being here. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. So originally the format of the show was to do 15-minute breakdowns. We're going to try and keep it to, you know, with the big cards, maybe 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, we're also looking at doing all the cards. But I don't know if, if you've ever done research on, I mean, Buck, we talked about this the other day. You try and do a breakdown on some of those smaller cards, like the Fight Nights or the ones that are on the UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. It was absurd. Yeah. Nobody's going to listen to my breakdown of icon fighting championships. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going in, and some, a couple of them, the co-made events were uh, literally two people I've never fought in the UFC before. And I, I'm a family man. I got limited time. There's no way in hell I'm going to go and watch, you know, some regional wrestling scene in order to make a couple picks for you guys. But I do love everybody. So don't forget that. But we're going to focus on the bigger cards. Uh, right now, uh, Buck is going to be... Uh, not, a, not a co-host, but he's going to be uh, a, a guest for me maybe down the road if we find that there's enough time and schedules and, and what this and that, what have you, we'll, we'll make it more of a permanent thing. But in the meantime, I'm just really excited to have him on board. So, you know, Buck's been in the, in the business, in the game for a while. He's made a lot of picks. Uh, he's, I know he's written some articles, been on some other podcasts. So why don't you just give a real high-level breakdown about your background and, and what it is that you love so much about MMA? Um, my background, uh, I mean, aside from training, uh, for the last six or so years, which I assume that most people who are listening to this podcast are training in some capacity, trying to enjoy the sport through, you know, their own behavior, through their own actions, as well as watching MMA through, you know, PFL, UFC, Bellator, one championship, wherever you're finding it. Uh, I also used to write for the MMA takeover. Uh, I wrote for them for about two years and, uh, and then I'm on Twitter, kind of, I'm always watching all the fights and, and giving, giving my takes and, and giving my breakdowns. Fantastic. You can find me there. Yeah. And, and what, is, what is the name that you're under? On your I'm Twitter? the MMA nerd on Twitter at MMA, MMA nerd. Buck the MMA nerd. Let's That's say, me. Say it first again. It's at MMA nerd. Oh, you that, recognize it's my face with, that's my face with dumb glasses on. It's hard to miss. <laughs> I was trying to convince him to uh, take the tag name Buck or Walk or the Buck Stops here, which would have been a little generic, but still funny. Uh, without further ado, uh, I know everyone here that's listening is here for the fight picks. Um, there is a massive, massive card coming up. There's been a few good cards this year. There's been a lot of dud cards this year. This is one that I'm really, really excited about. You know how I know I'm excited about it? Number one, I got excited. Buck on the show. And number two... I'm having people over for it. And that is a sign that I'm very excited for a fight. So uh, a lot of good ones. And we'll kind of go through 
what we feel are are the best. And so I, I strategically did not have Buck share with me his picks, and he did not. Uh, I didn't share him my with. Good gravy, Buck. How's this go? I did not share my picks with Buck, and Buck did not share his picks with me. And so we're going to be maybe even arguing. I don't know. It could get a little hairy, so stay tuned. So let's take a look at the undercard, Buck. Why don't you walk us through a couple of your first picks? Just a couple of them. And, and the undercard is not – and there's just a couple high-level ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you the ones that I'm focusing on because, you know, the whole idea is, is to help our, our followers make money, right? Mm-hmm. And so far – whether cage was MMA or, or my time as a, as a, uh, um, MMA analyst on the other podcast, we've been crushing it. And that's why I started my own. So <clears throat> without further ado, let's, uh, I'll go through the, the, the undercard fights that I feel are either interesting or I feel are good bets or bets that I would absolutely unequivocally stay away from. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of talk to them piece by piece. So number one, Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone, your thoughts. Um, both of these guys have been in forever, and I think that Jim Miller has been able to maintain his, his skills and maintain his, his game better than Cerrone has. Um, there was always an, um, there was always some pretty discernible flaws in Cowboy's game. He doesn't like being pressured and, and he responds to pressure kind of the same way. He's got those big knees up the middle, which he likes to do. Um, I mean, it worked against Alexander Hernandez um, a couple of years ago, but it hasn't worked pretty much since. I think he's on, uh, he's like 0-6 in his last couple. I think he tied, he tied against Nico Price um, or something. I think it wasn't a definitive win or a loss, but he has, as much as I love Cowboy and as much as I am a fan of his whole career, it's the end of, 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 Donald Cerrone's MMA lifespan. So I'm going to go with Jim Miller for this one. He's part of a part of three on this undercard that I'm pretty confident in. Good. Because that's exactly the way that I feel too. Uh, I almost even question, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm even biased on this because Donald Cerrone has been uh, one of, if not my favorite fighters over the last 10 years. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's that, great. He's the guy that brings it. Every time he's not a prima donna, he's the kind of guy that you'd want to go grab a beer with, right? Yeah. Maybe not piss off, but the kind of guy you want to go grab a beer with. But one thing I've noticed about Cerrone is he's a really slow starter. And he said something interesting when he, during the McGregor fight, What you would think that that would be something that would be uh, so, so big that you'd be mentally, physically prepared for it. And he said, you know, in the first round, before the fight started, I didn't even want to be there. And that, that's telling. So if you're not getting up for the big fights, what are you going to do against the fights against, you know, guys that are on the tail end of their career? Uh, and he was already a slow starter. I don't think he lacks confidence, but I do believe that he is starting to lack the will to win, uh, especially early on in the fight. I think he's got a way to switch it in round two. I don't know how he does it. So that's one of my concerns. And my second concern, or I guess third concern, is the fact that he does most of his own training, his own training camp. So he was under uh, Jackson Winklejohn. I don't know if anyone knows the story, but there was a falling out. Apparently, Jackson Winklejohn is kind of pissed off every fighter that they brought up. It seems to be a common theme with them. I, don't, it, I think it's Winklejohn. I hope you're not listening to Winklejohn. I'm pretty sure you're not. But uh, he ended up going and, and basically forming his own fight club on a ranch. And 
you know, how, how is that sustainable? He might have gone to Colorado recently and it was not dark horse, but uh, elevation. Elevation. Like yeah, elevation. Uh, but a lot of his training has been done by himself. That's not the way that you win at this level. You win by going to AKA, ATT, elevation, training with Khabib somehow, somewhere in Dagestan, wherever you need to do. So I, I completely agree with your pick. So I'm glad, you know, this, is, this relationship is starting off really, really well. Yeah, All yeah, right, yeah. Number two, number two, Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barbarena. Barbarena. Um, Your thoughts? Barbarena is fun. Um, I like watching him fight. He is, um, he's good. I think he's just not. I, even though, I, and just like Cowboy Robbie Lawler has sort of declined in his career, um, as well. But not not nearly as so steep. I think Lawler's last fight was Nick Diaz, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. And I that was a weird fight, and I don't want to draw too much from it because Nick wasn't in it, and and that was a it was a its whole show on its own. But Robbie looked really good. Um, so I was I was happy with. Um, I was happy with what he did, and you know I think is he gonna win against top ten welterweights right now? No, but I mean his fight against uh, Ben Askren wasn't too long ago, and you know the first things to go are your reactions and and uh, your toughness. You know you lose your chin once it's been tested. And yeah, you know, Robbie lost that fight, but it was controversial and he was a dog the whole time. And I think he's got enough. He's got so much experience. He's got all of his toughness still. He's got all of his heart. Uh, I think he's been renewed in the last year. I think he can be Brian Barberena. I, I completely agree. And, and looking at the stats, I'm not a big stat junkie, but. Robbie lands more strikes, has better defense, and strangely even has more takedown per 15-minute on average. That means this is going to be a stand-up war. And I haven't seen enough to, enough to climb from, um, from Lawler to ever really bet against him. As a matter of fact, I even was picking him to be Askren. And he, I mean, he was beating him up. Like, he was little brothering him, by the way, just so everyone knows. You haven't watched that mm -hmm. fight. That, that was that bulldog choke at the end. I don't think he was really out. It looked like he was out, kind of. I mean, I understand why the ref did what he did. But he was, he was a little brothering, that guy. Yeah. It was, you know, an embarrassing performance. I don't know. Askren did not belong in the UFC. That's what I, I took away, and I think anyone that, that's watched the sport for more than seven seconds would say the exact same thing. But Robbie Lawler's the real deal. Uh, Brian Barberena is going to be playing in his game, in his, you know, his league, basically, in his game and doesn't have really anything I see that's going to be able to change that for him. And I think, uh, I think Barbarina is just a stronger fighter. So. Um, yeah, I, Robbie Lawler's just, I mean, the win over Nick Diaz snapped a pretty significant losing streak for him. But, I mean, the competition of that losing streak was, let me see, who did he lose to? I mean, who has he fought? Um, Neil Magny, Colby Covington, Ben Askren, barely, RDA, and Tyron Woodley. So that was prime Tyron Woodley. RDA in 2017. Is, um, That's killer's row, bud. Yeah, yeah. 
Colby Covington, Neil Magny. I mean, Magny is probably the... No, I mean, even Neil Magny's he's just been a contender forever. So, I yeah, who has Brian Barberina fought any, uh, that's anywhere near that level of talent? I think the most talented, Matt Brown. Yeah, but Matt Brown is at the end of his career. I think the most talented fighter that Brian, that Brian Barberia has ever fought is Vicente Luque. Um, lost and him. lost to him. Yeah, I mean it was a war. It was an incredible fight, but I mean it went the way pretty much all of Vicente Luque fights have. You know, were going at that point. So yeah, so I think we're we're in agreement. Yeah, Robbie I think Lawler, Lawler on that one. What do you think is going to be a knockout or a decision? I think he's going to control him. I think it's going to be a decision. I don't know if if Lawler's got the swarm, um, and the like the one shot power to knock out a big, uh, welterweight like Barbarina Plus anymore. The beard. The beard. Yeah. Oh well, the beard. You know, <laughs> it's it's yeah, almost bulletproof. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think he controls him. I think he wins yeah. by decision. I do too. All right. So the third one, I don't have a very good gauge on. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I've got a pick in here. I'm not going to say bet it. The first two, I would absolutely bet. And before we go any further, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. A lot of people don't agree with me. I'm not even that big of a better, but a lot of people don't agree with me. I never parlay these. And the reason is, is because you can have, especially at the heavyweight level, you can have a flash knockout. You have so many things, so many factors, but when you're, when you're placing a bet on these fights that you don't know, unlike the NFL or NBA where there's an injury report the week before, you know, we're looking at a situation where they're actually hiding injuries so they can make sure that they can pay their rent and that their team gets paid because their entire family and, and team is dependent upon that paycheck. So it's a very different ball game. That's why I never recommend wrapping it up. So those two I would key on. Um, the next one would be Brad Riddell versus Jalen Turner. What are your thoughts? That was the one. You know, uh, you're saying that you don't like the parlays, and I I would do a parlay uh, with everybody else on this uh, on this prelim card. I, I'm serious, yeah. <laughs> Jim Miller, Ian Gary, Drickus Duplessis, I think is a solid pick. Um, okay. But Talk Brad Riddell that. versus, Brad Riddell well, versus let's, Jalen let's Turner. Let's do after this one. Let's do this one first. Do Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. Brad Riddell and Jalen Turner. I like Jalen Turner, um, and I know Brad Riddell gets a lot of props because he's part of the um, city kickboxing team, and he trains with Volko, and he trains with Dan Hooker, and he trains with Adesanya. Um, and and Riddell's got a really good record right now, and he's only lost twice when one of them was... Yeah. A couple of years ago, one loss in the UFC uh, to Fiziev, who I mean, yep. yeah, I mean, RDA next week. yeah, I mean, Fiziev is is also on a hot streak. He's part of this new generation of yeah. of lightweights that are the caucus region guys. Man, if you uh, the main event of last week's card between Armand Sarukian. And oh, uh, Mateusz oh. Gamrot, that ridiculous, incredible, ridiculous. and and Fiziev is part of that. Um, Fiziev is part of that new generation of lightweight. Is, so is I don't he Georgian. Is he Georgian? Um, Fiziev. Yeah, I he was. Uh, he is. Yeah, region. I don't know. That that's. I don't know if you ever he's listen from, to that. That's... He's from Kyrgyzstan. Oh, 
fine. <laughs> no offense to the Kyrgyzstanis. Uh, I don't know if you you ever listened to the other podcast that I did or the earlier one where I talked about my my thirteen rules for MMA betting, mm-hmm. and one no, of them was don't bet against a region that a regional skill set that's not been figured out yet. Boy, is that holding true? Good grief! Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so easy. You know, we got a fight. I don't know if you've been watching it all with like Saeed Nurmagomedov. Mm-hmm. He's fighting next week. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov. I mean, the list controlled goes on and on. last week. Yeah, yeah. Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, and you're you're really good at saying these names. I'm it's a lot of times I forget them as I'm going through it. But uh, there's just so much talent that's coming out of that region until that gets figured out. You know, a lot of times it, it takes ten years to figure that out. We saw it with the Brazilians in the in the early 2000s. We saw it with collegiate wrestling. Um, and now we're seeing it with Sambo or Sambo and, and just that, that region, that region uh, producing some badasses. I think the people who figure that out, it's, I, I think the way that that gets figured out is not through, um, stopping takedowns and being able to beat them on the feet. I think that gets uh, pr- primarily that gets stopped the same way we saw, um, the last card go. Um, I think. Um, uh, Armin Sarukian, who made his debut against Islam Mahashev, even though he lost, made an absolutely incredible show show of himself. Um, Gamrot and Sarukian, I think they're counter wrestling. They never get stuck on the bottom. They're always chaining their submission or their uh, their transitions through takedowns. Um, they're just, they're rolling, they're doing that Victor roll where they're um, rolling through their own legs and, and diving for the back leg. And they're just moving more on the ground. They're not getting held down in one position um, that we've, you know, we've seen Habib do it to his last three opponents in a row. And I don't know if he does it so flawlessly against people that are moving that well in the bottom that have so much experience rolling around um in bottom position and and forcing scrambles like that. I think that's the way that those um Dagestani wrestlers get um get stifled. I think that's how we're gonna yeah. see it rather than getting like knocked out on the feet. I, I think it's gonna take a while. <sighs> I mean these but... guys are they're the <laughs> new gen not the new generation. I mean they've been growing up as part of their culture doing mm-hmm. this since they were like two years old. I mean and they've just got a massive fight culture there, but yeah. All right, back to uh, Jalen Turner oh, versus right. uh, Brad Riddell. <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm gonna go with Riddell by decision, but uh, this is the one I'm least confident with. I think Jalen Turner. I'm I have been impressed with Jalen Turner every single time I've seen him. Uh, he had a pretty quick knockout in the second round of his last fight. Um, Uros Medic, submission, submission. Yeah, and these guys aren't incredibly, you know, they're not ranked. Uh, Matt Frivola's been in forever, but he's sort of at the end of his, uh, the you know, the tail end of his career. Vicente Luque, uh, up a weight class. Well, let's do let's do this. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on these on these undercards. You yeah. say Brad Riddell, I'm going to say Jalen Turner. I think we're both in agreement. That. Let's not bet this. Don't yeah, bet I that. yeah, I wouldn't Just put stay away from it. Uh, yeah, that one not, I would I would stay yeah. away from. Okay, let's get more to the main card here. 
For sure. The one I wanted to focus on was Pedro Munoz. Am I saying that right? Munoz? Munoz? Pedro Munoz, yeah. Yeah, Munoz. And then Sean O'Malley. Your thoughts? Um, <sighs> Pedro Munoz is the best fighter that Sean O'Malley's fought. But he is notoriously slow. He's the slowest guy at 135. Now, does Sean O'Malley win because he's faster than everybody? I don't think so. What Sean O'Malley does really, really well is he establishes a distance outside and he forces people to fight at his range. He moves so quick. When he gets pushed towards the cage, he flattens his stance out and he like literally like jukes left and right like he's running a route on a football field and then like sprints out to either side. He is he really prioritizes maintaining his range. He does it with all of his weapons, his front kick, his long jab and and then he's always circling out. He switches his stances and angles out after he hits super duper well. Um it will be a lot for Pedro Munoz. He has fought Pedro Munoz has fought more talented competition than Sean O'Malley. He has fought better fighters than Sean O'Malley, but he doesn't always win against those fighters. I think his last big win was Cody Garbrandt off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I mean I think he's he's like <laughs> four of his last five maybe like that. right but i mean he's lost i mean his losses were to aljamain sterling and dominic cruz and jose aldo and and sean o'malley loses to all those guys as well but i think yeah this will you be really even at this uh, stage in their career oh yeah, yeah 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 i think dominic cruz jose aldo and al and yeah, and for sure Aljamain. Um Aljamain, but I think yes. I yeah, I think Jose takes O'Malley's legs out fast. Um and and not just that like O'Malley has like glass ankles and and will fall cuz I don't think that's yeah. really the case. I think that when you are circling out and you're uh pulling away, the last thing to leave your space is always going to be your trailing leg and Jose's going to chew that apart. And I think Cruz cuts the ring well enough that he's going to be able to get in on low singles um, and and wrestle O'Malley against the cage. Um, his footwork's enough to keep up with O'Malley, and I think he can wrestle him and, and hold him down and do some pretty serious damage. Uh, yeah. I Yeah, but more to the point between Munoz and O'Malley... If I was going to bet, I would bet that Sean O'Malley was going to have his most impressive knockout yet. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I'm in agreement with you on Sean O'Malley. I, I don't, I, I don't think that the odds, which is uh, plus two fifty for Munoz and minus three hundred for O'Malley, is indicative of how close this fight is. So I probably wouldn't necessarily bet this fight either. But I, I, I agree with with pretty much everything you said. I. This is this is what the UFC is doing right now. And my I'm gonna go conspiracy theory on you. Mm -hmm. uh, is they are giving him hand tailored picks right now and, and some name brand recognition for him to showcase. And I 
believe that this is a, a hand-picked one that they think he's going to be able to win because Sean O'Malley is right up there with him and Patty Pimblett are the ones that you know the UFC is looking to promote right now because they, they're the closest thing that they've got to the next Conor McGregor. So yeah. I completely agree with your assessment. He's entirely dependent upon speed. If you if you take away that that lead leg or that back leg, a lot of that's going to be nullified. We, I mean, we saw that happen before in his only loss in the UFC. Still but undefeated, of maybe, actually. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, he lost to uh, what's his name? No, I'm just I'm just fucking with you. Oh. Yeah. So. Uh, God, now I lost my train of thought, homie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Sean O'Malley for the win. Uh, but don't bet it, in my opinion. Do you think they should bet it? What do you think? High Man, level. Munoz has never been knocked out. God, O'Malley hits like a truck. I think he gets him late. I think he slows him down with his um his own leg kicks and his and his his body work. I think O'Malley finishes him in three. O'Malley by decision. That's my pick. So if I were you and I was listening to this, I would say O'Malley by decision. <laughs> I don't do any of the sub Okay, so the interesting one. So when I originally made this pick, because I, I hate guys that, that pick uh, favorites all the time. They're losers. But most of the time, if we're being honest, they're winners because they're picking the favorites. But mm-hmm. that was fun. Uh, Sean Strickland. So he, he, he started out, what, minus, or plus 120? Mm-hmm. I don't know where he started out, but I think two days ago when I made these picks, it was plus 120. Now it's minus 110 to minus 110 against Alex Pereira. Are you looking up the odds right now? Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, it's just stake.com's got. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're really even. I. They're exact. Yeah, I, I'm going on DraftKings. So. I was not. I mean, everybody knows Alex Pereira is um, just a phenomenal kickboxer, he's so good at striking. He's his defense is so good. He's so relaxed. He sees everything. He hits like a truck. Um, and and they picked Sean Strickland because he likes to stand and and get into exchanges. And Sean himself said it. He had an interview, I think, either today or yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on the 29th, where he said in, in an interview that he knows the UFC's game and the UFC picked him because. They want Pereira to get as quickly as possible up to a title shot with Adesanya because of the rivalry, because they fought twice before in um, Glory, I think it was. And and Sean knows that, and everybody else knows that. And he will probably stand and bang with Pereira. I think... I know he knows his wrestling. I know he's got a purple belt. I know Sean Strickland can grapple. He's got some submissions. And and Pajeda got taken down. I'm saying I'm switching between Pajeda and Pereira. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Um, in his debut, he got taken down and held down pretty convincingly yep. by... That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah. it by was a no, By a guy that's a relatively no-name. And we, you know, we say that respectfully. Yeah, I yeah. It, I mean, the guy is in... a no name, uh, but he's primarily a grappler. And here, here's my take on it: the the UFC is is in this to make money, right? And they're I mm-hmm. believe that they're facts tracking Pereira to try and get that title shot because the more people that he has to go through, the more likely is is going to be exposed for the fact that he has zero ground game. 
he is so dependent right now on the on the um on his striking that it just takes too many years to develop that. And I have bet against Sean Strickland too many times, and I'm always wrong. So, of course, when I bet for him, and by the way, I'm picking Sean Strickland to win this. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Bet you're pissed you I... got on the podcast now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this, is where, this is where I think, yeah, we're going to disagree. Respectfully. Maybe. Respectfully. I think um, in the fights that I have seen, excuse me, <coughs> oh, Jesus, I've been holding that one in, um, in the Jack Hermanson fight and the Uriah Hall fight, I was rooting against Strickland both times, and more so than me being impressed with Strickland's takedown defense or his... Um, his own striking, I remember just being disappointed in the game plans of Uriah Hall and Jack Manson. Um, okay. Brendan Allen, Jack Marshman, those were kind of the wins that he got recently um, that kind of started his whole run again um, that kind of brought Strickland back up into focus. Christoph Jocko's a good win. Um... Yeah, in his last two against Jack Hermanson and Uriah Hall, Uriah Hall has just been one of the most frustrating middleweights ever since his yeah, uh, since the end of the Ultimate years right now. Since the end of the Ultimate Fighter, he has been really, really frustrating. I like him a lot, um, and I like Jack Hermanson a lot, but I think that they lost more than Strickland won. Uh, I think Strickland is is getting away with his his fourth ranking right now. That, that may be true. I also think that he's got, uh, you know, if it happens more than three times, it's a spree at that point. And to have three mm-hmm. people in that professional level that, that, that are having bad game plans and, and whatnot, he's a mean motherfucker. He's, he's yeah. just a mean dude, and I and I think that it's going to take more than a specialist to take him out. I, I I really do. I think Pereira is too much of a specialist in today's day and age. He might be getting in and get some good, you know, wrestling practice. But I mean, that's like me, you know, going into the dojo every now and then trying to practice takedowns. Like I suck at him. It's gonna, because it takes years and years and years to develop that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that Strickland's been in the game a lot longer. I think Pereira's what five and one. And uh, I'm done betting against him. I may regret this, but it's time to move on uh, because Sean and I are in a very turbulent relationship, and I need him to show up for me to to show up. Fuck, basically. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the next fight is I'm not sure if you heard of this guy, Alexander Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky, and Max Volk- Holloway. Volk- two under two guys that are you know underground. Yeah, underground guys. Promising. Talk to me. Yeah. Promising careers. Not- yeah. Um I am I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> I I'm going to pick Max for the third time in a row. Oh, son of a bitch. I can't believe this. I but I think I that I think Volkanovski's going to win. I'm going to be on team I'm on team blessed. Wait, wait, I'm wait, team wait, blessed. Wait, wait, wait. Can you pause that for a second? <laughs> yeah. 
you think it's going to be Max Holloway, but you think Volkanovski is going to win? No, I'm going to root for Max the whole fight, and I'm going to be oh. devastated when he loses for a third time. I would, that's okay. Okay, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to side with Holloway, but I, I, I yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, Volkanovski and Korean Zombie wasn't. Um, Korean Zombie didn't belong in a title shot, and that hurts me to say. Also, but no, but he looked like like some jackass off the street. I mean, I mean and I, again, incredible. So let's put it in perspective. If I was going to give out the most improved fighter of the year, the last two years, it would go to a, a current champion mm-hmm. of, of Ale, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. He looks unbeatable. And I bet against him so many times, so many times early on, because I was like, you know, this is a, he's, he's a little, you know, a little plug out there. And, he, you know, he hits hard, but someone's going to catch him. And it just doesn't happen. And then now what I've seen in the last two or three fights, he's outclassing people to a level that they don't even belong in there with him. And on yeah. top of that, you know, with Max, you know, he's still a young guy. He, he took a lot of damage in that last Yair Rodriguez fight. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock on Max because Yair Rodriguez is really, really good. You know, almost criminally underrated at this point. And he's got another fight, I think, with Ortega. Right, coming up. That's gonna be incredible That's to gonna watch. Be a great fight, but you know, when you take that kind of damage, uh, I just don't think that Yair Rodriguez is at the level right now and peaking the way that Alex Volkanovski is. And as a result of that, I'm gonna have to side with Volkanovski because unless I, I don't even know what the formula is at this point in time to be able to beat him, because it's not wrestling. It's not grappling. It's not striking. Is it father time? Is that his greatest, his greatest rival right now? And, and that's what's still like seven years off. <laughs> well, so I think, so the, yeah, my reasoning is I think Max Holloway did everything right in the second fight. And I, I thought he think won the he, second fight. Me too. I thought he did everything right. And, and if you did everything right, and a lot of people think you won, what do you change in your, in your strategy? Max you is pretty confident. Sparring, right? I think that's great. I think that's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. But at that level, I don't think that you just get better through osmosis. I really don't. Personal opinion, you yeah, know, he might look good against guys that he outclasses on some level. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's the guy that he fought? Where he had that cater, bo- dude. He had the boxing display where he wasn't even looking at him, dodging punches like the Matrix. <laughs> I mean, that, that's when I became like a mega Holloway fan because I'm I'm also rooting for him too. I, I've just bet against Volkanovski way too many times, just too many times, and he's proven me wrong time and time again. But the last couple fights, I, I picked him. And the last couple of fights, he's come out of there like a like an absolute buzzsaw. Never seen anything like it, to be honest with you, I, I, on that that level of domination for those types of opponents. Because you know uh, the Korean Zombie is pretty good. He and made Korean Zombies, yeah, very good. He made him look pedestrian. I think Volkanovski oh, knows what he needs to do to win more rounds, and I I think Volkanovski knows what he needs to change to win more rounds. I think it's going to be a more grappling heavy, uh, a more grappling heavy game. I 
don't think Max changes anything because I, you know, I think it's a. If Max does exactly what he did last time, I think he's got a forty-five percent chance of winning. Okay, I think that's better than I would even give him. I I would say, I don't even know why I'm throwing out a number so made up. Um, like a thirty-five percent or thirty percent chance of winning, and I think it would have to take place almost exclusively on the feet at range. And I don't think, uh, you know, the leg kicks that Volkanovski is able to throw out. You know, what, what, what was he, like, 215 pounds, and he fights at 135 now? That's what he <laughs> yeah, he's like two, two, 214 back when he was playing rugby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's a mega athlete right there. Yeah. Well, so I mean, so Max, is, Max had a great answer for those leg kicks in that second fight. He really shortened his stance because he used to be really wide, really long, and he was heavy on that lead leg because he liked to throw a lot of boxing combinations. And he really switched to a more Muay Thai stance. He pulled his front leg in. He was light on it. He does this um, gliding in sort of thing where he'll bring his le- his front leg up as if to check a kick before one comes. Charles Oliveira does this too. Yeah. Where they'll bring their front leg up to check a kick as they're closing distance and kind of float in behind that that defensive leg and then close the distance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good answer that lets you pull your leg back to get away from, from those low leg kicks that everyone's doing now, the calf kicks. Um, And, and then it's got the same traditional defense towards a a thigh kick, which I don't even see as much anymore. No, I don't know how it took so long to find the calf kick. I mean, it's only like six inches away from the other place they were always kicking. I don't know. I like it's. It's always crazy me how these new skill sets emerge. You know. You know. You never see anymore is like triangle chokes with you know from the le- from like guard yeah. bottom. Like when does that ever happen anymore? They're Just too savvy. People. Uh, people are too savvy. Yeah. Well, now that everyone trains jujitsu, that just doesn't come up as much. I think the cap kicks took so long because. I mean, once you see. Don't you think it happened accidentally <coughs> in the gym? <laughs> I, I, I think. Like God damn, that hurts. Yeah, I think you I think but I think what other technique has had three horrible shin breaks? You know? Like there's no other technique that hurts the person that does it in the exact same way like the low calf kick. I mean, Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, and Chris Weidman all had the same disastrous Conor adamant that didn't happen. Well, you're right. Actually, he was also yeah. he was also he was also arguing that it was a, a what was it a, a medical disqualification as opposed to a loss because him and Sean O'Malley are both undefeated. Sh- <laughs> as he was talking shit, sitting on his ass with his like leg grotesquely hanging off to the side, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, wow, that's an angry, angry man. Right there. I um, have a whole. Uh, I just the decline of Conor McGregor from from even from the first from the the second Poirier fight where they were shaking hands and exchanging hot sauce and whiskey. I I uh, uh I can't get into that. <laughs> Conor McGregor just no, makes me I, so everyone, sad. Everyone feels the same way, but that's what happens when Joe Frazier said it. It's hard to to wake up motivated when you wake up in satin sheets. And that's and that's what's going on. So you know, good for him. He's just you know, stop being such a douche, I guess. All right. So the final fight, which isn't really even that big of a discussion point considering 
we all, I think we all know it's going to happen, but I'm going to let you throw it out there first just in case you're going to blow my mind with something. Israel well, Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Well, Jared Cannonier, for start, is an absolute powerhouse. I think he brings a different kind of striking. I think Israel's never been hit. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not not a single shot in in hell. I don't think he's got anything for Izzy. I think, yeah, I mean the way that Robert Whitaker was able to just dance on him and 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 do, yeah, Robert Whitaker cruised to a really confident decision, and uh, you know, just like featherweight, I think middleweight is. The champion, the number one contender, and everyone else. And yeah, it's one of the least. De- like, yeah, they, and that's why they want Pereira up there because they need to stop making the same guys fight. Jared Cannonier should not be in a title shot right now. It might off one win. I mean, he beat yeah Derek Brunson. That's good, but lots of people have beaten Derek Brunson, and and that that aren't going to beat Izzy. There is a way to beat Israel Adesanya. Izzy hangs his head out. He wants you to swing at his head because he can move his head really well. But in order to move his head as well as he does, he has to be heavy on his stance. He's heavy on his front leg, and 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 he uses that to as his grounding so he can move his head and, and kick and move out of the way as fast as he does. Uh, just like we were talking about Sean O'Malley, when he's circling out away from the cage, the last thing to leave is his rear leg. And he gets people so focused, so single-mindedly focused on trying to knock him out in one shot that they ignore, they ignore the rest of him. When I, do, does Jared Cannonier have the physical tools to do to Israel Adesanya what Jan Blahovich did? I think he does. I think he's got heavy enough pressure. I think he's got. I think he's got powerful kicks. I think he could corral Izzy with him. He can throw him at the body. He can throw him at the low at the low legs. I think if he swings for Izzy's head and Izzy pulls his head back and throws his chest and head far away from his, uh, you know, far behind his hips, I think Jared can get two big swings at his head and then duck and hit his hips and and take him down with a double leg and hold him down and win rounds just like Blahovich did. Do I think he do I think he will do that? No. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to solve Israel Adesanya. I think Izzy's going to piece him up from a distance. He's going to weaken that front leg over and over and over again with his awesome kicks. He's going to get get Cannonier really worried about those those body kicks and the low leg kicks, and he's going to start biting on feints more and more Is he's going to wrap a question mark kick up and around his shoulder. He's going to crack him in the head. Jared's going to try and close on him. Israel's going to get him with some clean counters. He's going to get out of, get him out of there before the fourth round, I think. It kind of reminds me of Anderson Silver versus Forrest Griffin. <laughs> that's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to jared cannonier no but work with me here i mean going into it on paper it looked like he had a shot yeah but he was a, yeah he was a step he was a step behind in everything except for maybe grappling 
just you know and and then when we when he and we all kind of knew that but we like that you know maybe there's this one shot that you know he's so tough and we've seen the way he's performed in the past when you fought shogun hua and whatnot. we all saw that and we're like well maybe there's a chance there is not a snowball's chance in hell that cannoneer is going to win this fight and it and it's it's not a a, a a slight against Cannoneer. It just shows you how good Israel is. The only thing that's going to be able to beat Israel is what Jan Blahovich did. But he's also probably walked into that room or, you know, into the ring 25 pounds heavier than Israel did. You know, Israel, oh, probably, you know, yeah. they, they, they fought at 205, right? Mm-hmm. So he was probably 25 pounds legitimately bigger inside the, the ring than Izzy was. And he's got a really good ground game and he's, you know, you're not, you know, he's going to absorb the strikes a lot better than someone that's, you know, a lot smaller than he is, mm-hmm. obviously. So the way that I see this going is I think that uh, Izzy is, is faster. I think he's got better range control. I think he's more technical. And I think that he's got some of the most precise, precise striking that's existed in the, uh, in, in the UFC since Anderson Silva. So I don't think this is going to be much of a, a barn burner. I think it's going to be a, a pretty lopsided win. And, you know, what needs to happen with Israel, he needs to meet a guy that, that can both wrestle and strike. That's a real, you know, I thought Yoel, Yoel Romero was the guy to possibly do it. And, you know, but Yoel's got some mental things. Well, I don't know <laughs> Yoel Romero is his own biggest enemy. Yeah, but, I mean, dude, did you, did you ever see that interview where he started crying? With uh, the guy I was interviewing, saying that, you know he could do whatever he wanted with his life, and 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 Yoel sitting there going, "You could do whatever you want with your life," and and he starts crying, and I mean it was a terrifying moment because if I was interviewing him, like I wouldn't know what to do because you don't want to laugh because you get killed, you don't want to cry with him because you'll get hugged, you know, and maybe like and killed, <laughs> yeah, killed, you know, like you don't want like anything to see. That's a very sensitive situation right there. So I don't know. I Yoel Romero is a fun guy to watch on interviews is just as much as in the cage. He's a, he's a fun dude. The, I love you. He's looking at the, his call out of Bisping at, yeah, at UFC 205. <laughs> Everybody, for, people always think that was really funny where he says, I love you, Mike. I love you, Mike. And Michael Bisping's doing the steroid uh, yeah, in his own yeah. ass sort of gag. But when he says, see you soon, boy, uh, that's the scariest fucking thing anybody has ever said in the octagon. I swear to God. That's, the scariest thing I've ever heard. See you soon, boy. In that yeah. voice, yikes. Well, what, what, what about when he he was always um like walking up and kissing the guy right after he had knocked him out? Remember Luke Rockle? He was like tied up against the side of the cage, like you know, barely, barely. His equilibrium was completely gone. He was blood pouring out of him, and Yorel's like kissing him, and he, he doesn't know what to do. I love you. A I love you, man. I love you, Luke. I yeah. yeah. God, and, and could a Yoel that wanted to put a, a wrestling game on Israel, could he, could've. you know? Yeah, I think he could have. I think he could have gotten him down quite a few times. He just stopped using it. I don't know why the hell he does that. Maybe that's what Strong, Sean Strickland's going to do. I don't know. There's just some guys that, that freeze up in moments and can't follow a game plan. You know who followed a really good game plan for a long time, but when he gets to the, to the, to the apex... He always abandons the game plan is Gaethje. He does such a good job of the game plan on on uh, like number one contender events. Uh, 
but when it, he actually gets the title shots, he just goes into survival mode and just goes out there and starts trying to like throw everything as hard as he possibly can. Anyway, I don't know how we got there, but we did. Justin Gaethje's uh, the the combination of Justin Gaethje and um oh god, I'm totally blanking on his coach's name. Who runs um I'm watching I'm rewatching of all things, I'm rewatching season 10 of The Ultimate Fighter with Rashad Evans and Quentin Rampage Jackson. <laughs> Okay, so he is a real MMA fan because I would never do that. <laughs> well, it's it's so two thousands. It's so much fun. There's two different guys named Wes, and they all yeah. have the the worst tribal tattoos you've ever seen. Wes Combs, right? The basketball player. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, Wes Sims is the other one. Oh, I, Wes yeah. Sims, yeah. There's yeah, two. Yeah, there's two Weses. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> anyway, if you have ESPN Plus and you're listening to this, please for me take a trip down memory lane and watch. Season 10 of The Ultimate Fighter. Rampage is rampaging at his very best. Everybody's so 2000s it hurts. Brendan Schaub's in it. Uh, Matt Mitrione's in it. Roy Nelson's in it. Kimbo Slice is in it. Kimbo's in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, Trevor Whitman is who I was trying to there talk about. Yeah, I said Whitaker, okay. Yep. Yeah, Trevor Whitman and Justin Gaethje is my favorite combination of fighter and coach. I think they are brilliant. But, Gaethje's um, one of my all-time favorite fighters. Win or lose, that guy's so watchable, so watchable. Oh, gosh, that Who? fight he had against Chandler was ridiculous. Ch- yeah, um, I, I mean, I watched Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson in like awe. It was incredible and like so sad at the same time. It was. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of that fight, when he started shaking inc- his head no, and you could tell he was entirely on, like, the Ubla Amblongada part of his brain at that point. Like, it was just, yeah. everything was shut down. And don't correct my brain terminology, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't be on the business end of a podcast, Mike. So, well, with that being said, uh, I don't want to go over too much, because I want to respect the time of our listeners. Uh, Buck, I really enjoy this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really fun. I uh, hope you had a good time, too. I had an awesome and time. Fantastic. And so uh, UFC, is it 276, right? 276. 276, Saturday night. Be there. Please take our bets. Probably want to lean towards my bets over Bucks. No offense, Buck. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. trying to trying to get you to lose money. Uh, I, work yeah. for, for, I work for DraftKings. I'm just trying to set you astray. There you go. There you go. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, everyone else, hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to talking with you again on the next big fight, which is probably going to be UFC 277. So hopefully we'll see you again, Buck. If not, thank you very much for your time. Have a good one.